I know talking about outer space is super engaging, so I don't want to interrupt the conversation. The answer to the question, would I go to outer space, is no. I would not go to outer space. Um, I like that parable where it says the wise man built his house upon the rock. And I feel most secure on the rock, so not, not going to go to space. But would you join me? Let's pray as we open our time together. Father, Son, and Spirit, as we sang this morning, you are here, you are holy, and we are standing in your glory. And so, Jesus, it is a privilege to gather here in person and online and open your word together. And so, would you prepare our hearts to receive what you have in store? And ultimately, Lord, would you give us the courage to respond and lean into that? In your name I pray. Amen. All right. Well, last week, Pastor Steph shared a cute picture of her dog. And I do not have a cute picture of my dog, but I have a cute picture of the Lego set I've been working on. <laughs> now, for my Lord of the Rings fans, this is the city of Rivendell. Uh, you can see some of the cool minifigures. You can see the colorful tiles. You can see how intricate the design is. Now, this is a really fun build, and it was actually my first foray into what does rest look like post-grad school. Now, one of the things that I discovered in a new way and came to appreciate was how detailed the manual was for the Lego sets. It is clear. It is precise. If you are following the directions, there is no way that you can make a mistake, which for an achiever like me is a good thing. Now, one of the things I've come to realize is it would be really great if there was a how-to manual for how to love your neighbor. It would be really great if there was an IKEA manual of this is how you love the people in your everyday spaces. Or at least this is how you can avoid making mistakes or avoid just being awkward. Now, last week, Pastor Steph shared the statistic that 57% of Americans don't know who their neighbors are. And as I was sitting in that pew, one of the things I realized was I'm a part of that 57% that don't know who my neighbors are in the physical place that I live. And so this week, I decided to rectify that situation. And I got to be honest, there were mixed results. The first conversation I had on one side was with a neighbor, and we talked about the angry mama robin that had built its nest right outside their house and kept squawking at them every time they went in their front door. And actually, my car pulls up right next to their house, so that angry mama robin just sits right on the tree and looks at me every time I walk out of my car. But on the other side, I had the opportunity to go say hello to a neighbor, but while she was outside, I got cold feet and I ran away. Like, I literally ran away from my house to this building. That is a 30-minute walk that happened. All the way, I was wondering, ah, oh, should I have gone back? Should I said hello? I saw that she got on her bike. Should I have run after the bike to say hi? It's just tough to love your neighbor. And loving your neighbor is hard enough when the people look like you, come from a similar background, or think a similar way. But what about when we have nothing in common? Are there hidden appendices in the Bible that talk about that? And to go one step further as Jesus followers, it's not just about making friends, but it's about sharing the good news of the kingdom with our neighbor. 
And that can come with a whole lot of shame, a whole lot of uncertainty. How exactly do I do that? And just reluctance. And I found myself in this place of where in the world do I begin? Where in the world do we begin? Well, I wonder if the disciples were asking a similar question in our passage today. Now, we're going to continue our conversation on loving our neighbor by looking at Luke chapter 10. And while Jesus doesn't give them a physical 10-step pamphlet, this is how you love your neighbor, Jesus does give them some guidelines. First, Jesus reminds them, hey, God's love is already moving before you. And in light of that love, we are invited to be present and participate. And that's our big idea this morning. God's transforming love is already moving all around us. And in light of that, our invitation is to be present and participate. So our passage today is in the Gospel of Luke chapter 10. If you have a Bible or an app, you can turn there. You can also use the Bibles in the pews in front of you, or it'll be on the screen behind me. Now, last week, we looked at Luke chapter 9, where Jesus sent out the 12 disciples to proclaim the good news of the King, or the good news of Jesus, and the good news of Jesus' kingdom. And what we read about in Luke chapter 9 is that there were different responses to this message. Some people were open to this message. Some people were closed off. Some people were perplexed. And many people drew near to Jesus. Now, in Luke chapter 10, some time has gone by, and Jesus is again preparing to send out his disciples. However, this time, it's not just 12 people, but it is 72 disciples. So I would just invite you, let's just take a moment, kind of close your eyes, picture what this could have looked like. Jesus standing in front of all these people, ready to send them out. Can you imagine being in the crowd and thinking, oh, there's some excitement in the air and uncertainty and anticipation all mixed together as Jesus gives them their next invitation. And so with this in mind, Jesus standing in front of the 72, we pick up in Luke chapter 10. So Luke chapter 10 says this, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, And sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. And he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals. and Do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. And if someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, Go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. So it's not quite a how-to guide on how to love your neighbor, but there's some very clear directions that Jesus gives his followers. So going back through this passage, Jesus starts by using a farming analogy. He says, the harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. This is talking about the people being ready to receive the good news of the kingdom of God. 
Now, right at the beginning, there is a really important point that would be really easy to rush past, but we need to pay attention to it. And Jesus says in verse 2, he says, Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Let's read that again. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, there's a lot that I learned in grad school, and there are things that will take me years to process But one of the most life-changing things that I learned about was what's called the Missio Dei, which is Latin for the mission of God. Now, the Missio Dei is this reality that the church doesn't have a mission. God's mission has a church. Let's say that again. The church doesn't have a mission. God's mission has a church. The mission doesn't originate from the character of the church. The mission originates from the character of God, and the church gets to join that mission. I think sometimes it's really tempting to think, okay, I am responsible to bring God's love into the places where I'm going. And yes, we're called to reflect God's love, but time and time again through Scripture, we see that God's transforming love always goes ahead of God's people. And the people are invited to join that transforming love at work. And even here, Jesus reminds the disciples of that. It is God who is the one in charge of the harvest. And the world that Jesus sends the disciples into is his. And that's incredibly good news that helps frame the rest of these directions that Jesus gives the disciples in the next few verses. Jesus continues, go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. I love how right in the beginning, Jesus asks a question, ask the Lord of the harvest to send the workers. And then he looks at the disciples and says, you're the answer to that question. And so he says, go, I am sending you out. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals. Do not greet anyone on the road. If I was to paraphrase this, it feels like Jesus is saying, go. This journey will take you out of your comfort zone. It will be tough. There will be opposition. But I have given you everything you need, so don't waste any time. I have given you my power and my authority and my love is going before you. The Lord of the harvest is sending his followers out to love their neighbors. Now, at this point, I'm sure that the disciples had a lot of questions. They were humans like us, after all. And if I was there, I'd be asking, well, you said no purse or bag, but what am I supposed to put the extra change of clothes in? And you said we're supposed to stay somewhere, but you really haven't told us where. And what are we supposed to eat? What are we supposed to do? You haven't given us the addresses. Who even are we supposed to talk to? All those questions floating around in my mind. Yes, God's love is moving before them. But how were the disciples invited to be present and participate? Well, this passage points out two ways that the disciples were invited to participate. And the first way is they were invited to participate by finding the people of peace. Now, the people of peace zoomed out is just people who showed favor to the disciples. But zooming in, what Jesus defines the people of peace as is people that are prepared to hear the message of the kingdom and the king. In fact, British author and Mike Breen defines them this way, one who is prepared to hear the message of the kingdom and the king. Now, the disciples were sent into the harvest field to proclaim the good news, and the people of peace that are talked about in these next few verses are the people that are ready to receive it. Now, people of peace can seem like such an ambiguous term, and so how exactly are we supposed to identify people of peace? 
Well, Jesus tells the disciples, okay, this is how you can identify the people of peace. But before we go into those identifications, I want to bring you in on a little perspective shift that God has been teaching me about in my own life. And the perspective shift is doing projects of peace versus loving people of peace. Projects versus people. Now, as a duty-driven person and as a very busy person, it is really easy in my life to just figure out, okay, how can I fulfill that requirement of loving my neighbor so I can please God and then move on to the rest of my life? How can I check that off the list? I don't know if anyone can resonate with that kind of desire. But there's a big difference between projects and people. See, doing projects allows us to do the bare minimum. Whereas loving people pushes us to go deeper. Doing projects are a checklist I can mark complete. But loving people invites me to stay present in the ups and downs of their life. Doing a project is one way. I am working on you to fulfill my requirement of obedience to God. But loving people is two-way. Where we're able to let our needs be met even as we meet the needs of the people around us. And finally, doing projects keeps the focus on me, whereas loving people moves the focus to listening and paying attention to how God is moving in their lives. God loves us and our neighbors too much to invite us to look for projects of peace. Jesus invites us to participate by finding people of peace. So what does this person of peace look like? Well, Jesus describes how to identify them. There are two ways. First, Jesus says a person of peace will welcome the disciples. Jesus says if someone promotes peace, your peace is there. Your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Jesus doesn't ask the disciples to force people to become people of peace. No, if the people didn't welcome them, they are invited to go to the next person. Remember, God is the one at work here. The disciples just get to join in. So Jesus says the person of peace will welcome you. Now, what could that look like in our everyday spaces today? Nowadays, a person of peace who welcomes us could be that coworker or friend who decides to confide in you or decides to share what's going on in their life with you. It could be the neighbor who always waves at you when you're walking your dog past their house. It could be the barista who begins to know your name and waves and smiles at you as you walk into the coffee shop. The person of peace will welcome you. Second, Jesus tells the disciples the person of peace will serve or support them. Jesus says, stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you. Now, Jesus actually says this twice. Eat whatever they give you. And maybe this was for the picky eater in the back who was like, everything. And Jesus is like, everything they give you. But this was more than just about food. I think this points to the deeper reality that Jesus knew that the relationship would continue to be deepened, the door continued to be opened as they, the disciples, let their neighbors serve their needs. As the disciples give people the opportunity to meet them where they were. Now here's the thing, doing projects of peace can very easily keep us in a superior position. I am the only one with something to offer. But loving people of peace means allowing them to meet our own needs, to see our own vulnerabilities and to love us in that way. Maybe you've experienced a relationship deepen as you've allowed someone to serve you. 
whether that was going next door and asking for a baking utensil, whether that was going to a coworker or friend and asking for advice about a puzzling situation and watching that relationship, the trust, continue to build. A person of peace will welcome you and a person of peace will serve you. So Jesus sends the disciples towards their neighbors and invites them to be present to what God is doing and participate by finding the people of peace. But there's one more way that Jesus invites the disciples to participate. That Jesus also invites the disciples to participate by proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. This is what this whole expedition is about. It's not just about making good friends and coming back with fun memories, although that stuff is really important. This is about proclaiming that the kingdom of God has come near to you. The kingdom of God where the lonely find a family. The kingdom of God where the outcasts are called children. Where those dealing with brokenness find wholeness. Where those who are sick can experience healing. Where those who are trapped by guilt can be set free by forgiveness. Where love is the foundation, where justice overflows, and where we have the assurance that the wrong things are being and will be made right. This is the kingdom of God. And this is Jesus' invitation to the disciples. The Lord of the harvest is sending them out to participate by finding the people of peace and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. And those two invitations are our invitations this morning. Loving our neighbor means finding the people of peace and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. So what does that mean as we leave this room this morning? Well, remember, God's transforming love is already moving around us. And Jesus has empowered us with the Holy Spirit. And so our invitation is to be present and participate. Now, while Jesus doesn't give us like a 10-step, okay, if you walk through all 10 steps, then you'll finally love your neighbor— Jesus does give us some guidelines, and I believe that this passage raises three questions for us this morning. And because we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, we can ask the Holy Spirit these questions. And in fact, uh, would you just join me? Let's just pray and invite the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we know that you are present in this place. We know that you have empowered us to serve you. And so, Holy Spirit, as we walk through these questions together, open up our eyes to hear from you. Bring the people to mind. Bring the places to mind. Holy Spirit, we commit these questions to you. Amen. All right, so three questions this morning. The first question is this. Where are you calling us to be present? Now, the other day, my wife Anna and I were eating dinner, and she was sharing a story, and she saw my eyes glaze over, and she asked me very politely, where did I lose you? Now, I was physically present, but I was mentally on autopilot. I was somewhere else. And when we talk about being present this morning, it is being present with our whole selves, bringing our whole selves and being attuned to what the Spirit is doing, asking the Spirit, God, where are you moving and how can I join in? How can I pay attention to what you're doing? So often in our lives, it can be easy to go on autopilot. The autopilot of, okay, I'm going to wake up in the morning, look at my calendar, fulfill the requirements of that calendar, and go to sleep. And then I'm going to wake up in the morning again, look at my calendar, fulfill the requirements of that calendar, and then go to sleep. And then I'm going to wake up in the morning again, and the autopilot continues. But what Jesus invites us to do is actually slow down 
and wonder. And ask the Spirit, where are you inviting me to be present? If we truly believe that God's transforming love is moving before us, then every place that we place our feet is an opportunity to join God at work. And so let's wonder together, Holy Spirit, where are you calling me to be present? Now, sometimes that means going to a place that you've never been before. But oftentimes, this is already within existing contexts and with established relationships. For me, it's in northeast Minneapolis. It's in the coffee shop down the road from my house. It's in the parks that I go and I hang out in. It's with the friends that I spend time with. Where is the Spirit calling you to be present? All right, second question. Who might the people of peace be in your everyday spaces? Once you know where God is calling you to be present, who are the people of peace in those spaces? I invite you to ask the Spirit to reveal those people. It could be a simple prayer. Holy Spirit, show me who the people of peace are today. Or later we're going to sing a song that says, lead me in your love to those around me. Who might the people of peace be in your everyday spaces? Now, discerning this might move you out of your comfort zone. It might involve rejection. You might make a mistake, but I promise you there are people of peace in your everyday spaces. Now, sometimes when it comes to people of peace, the question is, okay, so I've identified the person of peace. Now, how do I exactly start that conversation? Do I say something special? Do I bring a bunch of pamphlets? What do I do for that person of peace? And I love what Luke says in Luke chapter 10. He talks about the disciples going to the people of peace. And what do the disciples say? They say, peace, shalom, a common greeting. And what I love about our invitation this morning is it doesn't take a magical phrase to start a conversation. It just starts with, hello, how's it going? What's up? And once you greet someone, then let the Holy Spirit lead you in what to do. And so who are the people of peace in your everyday spaces? The people that welcome you, the people that serve you and allow you to serve them. All right, those are the first two questions. And our final question is this. What is one way we can share about the good news of the kingdom? Now, if you're like me, when you read this question, everything in you just clenched up. Because this is hard, and this is uncomfortable. But this is what the world needs. Not just people who are good neighbors, but people who are vessels that are proclaiming the kingdom of God is near you. Now, as you develop a friendship with someone, you might actually be able to have a conversation with that person about Jesus. To share the ways that Jesus has worked in your life and maybe point out, hey, this is the way that I see God working in your life. To say, this is how Jesus changed my life. Come and see who this Jesus is. We can use the words of Jesus to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. And we can also use the works and the ways of Jesus as well. Notice how the disciples are invited to start by healing, and then they speak about what's happening. We bear witness to the good news. Now, today, that could look like being someone that works with integrity at work. Someone that walks with kindness with a patient or a child. People that build tables or host meals. It could look like listening with empathy, pursuing justice, or loving people that are different from you in person and online. Now, we can't control the outcome. Sometimes it's tempting to think, okay, I'm responsible to take a person from here to here. But we can't control that outcome. 
what we can do is we can be faithful. And we can trust the Holy Spirit to say, Holy Spirit, are you inviting me to pray for that person? Are you inviting me to serve that person? Are you just inviting me to listen? And we get to join the Holy Spirit in planting a seed, and then we get to watch the Lord of the harvest do the work. And this is not to check something off a list, but this is to be present as long as God has called us into that space. God's love is already moving around us, and we're invited to be present and participate. Now, when I thought about these questions, I was brought back to an interaction I had actually in Las Estrellas. Now, Las Estrellas has been the place that Mill City has met for the last 15 years. And over the last couple of years, I had developed a really good relationship with the engineering team at Las Estrellas. I knew that they were my people of peace because they welcomed me and they served me and served us every Sunday. And I was able to serve them by helping out with movie nights or fixing gear or even in the summer, I would just drop in and say hi because those engineers are just working by themselves all summer long. Now, Las Estrellas was where I was present. And I know, like I said, that these were my people of peace. Now, one Friday, this was earlier this year, I was doing some work in the school and I felt the Holy Spirit nudge me and say, I'm going to invite you to pray for an engineer and I want you to do that. Now, in classic fashion, as soon as I heard the nudge, I began negotiating. I said, do you really want me to pray for the engineer? Isn't there someone better who could pray for the engineer? I don't really want to disturb the engineer. Can I do something else? And while that was happening, one of the engineers came up to me, and I said hi, he said hi, we talked for a bit, and then we left. No one prayed. But again, I felt a nudge from the Spirit. It was, Ashish, I'm inviting you to pray for that engineer. And so wisely, I negotiated again. I said, Lord, if the engineer comes back and if he says hi, then I will pray for this person. So I sent that to the Lord. And I found out that God is very gracious with his children. And sure enough, five minutes later, the engineer comes back. And I felt the anxiety start to rise up within me. I'm like, okay, what am I going to pray? What's going to happen? And he stopped about 20 feet away from me, and then he turned to me, and he said, did you hear about the shooting in St. Paul? And I said, I, I, I didn't. What happened? And he began to explain how it was this young teenager that had lost his life. And he began to explain how his heart ached for that man's family how his heart ached for his community, how he was just mad and frustrated at what was going on. And then what he said next shocked me. He looked at me and said, does your church pray for things like that? <laughs> and I was like, um, yes, 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 we do. This is the spirit. Yes, we do this. <laughs> and he said, do you talk about stuff like that? And I was like, yes. And what followed was this imperfect conversation. But I know that it was a God-ordained conversation about Jesus, about our families, about the healing that both of us want for our neighborhood and city. And at the end of the conversation, I asked him if I could pray for him. And I was able to pray for his family. God's transforming love was at work in that school. And I was able to be present and participate. Now, I don't know where that conversation will lead. I can't control that. But it was an opportunity to love my neighbor and be loved by my neighbor 
that I would have missed if I wasn't present. So three questions for us this morning. Where are you calling us to be present? Who might the people of peace be in our everyday spaces? And what is one way we can share about the good news of the kingdom this week? On your way out, we actually have these little buttons for you that have the series logo on them. And so would you join me in actually taking one of these buttons and putting them in a car or putting them on a bag or putting them someplace visible? And when you look at that button, would it be an invitation to get out of autopilot and slow down and wonder with the Spirit? Spirit, where are you calling me to be present? Spirit, who are the people of peace in my everyday space today in my path? And Holy Spirit, what is one way you are inviting me to share about the good news of the kingdom? Jesus says, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his field. And Mill City, we are living in the harvest. And God is sending you, and God is sending me. God's transforming love is already going before us, and what we get to do is we get to be present and participate. And what I love about Luke 10 is after the disciples do this, they come back to Jesus and they celebrate. They say, Jesus, even the demons submitted to us in your name. Jesus, we saw your kingdom at work. And Jesus celebrates with them, but then reminds them, you're able to do this because my power is at work in you. Because my authority is going before you. Because you belong to the kingdom. And Mill City Church, when we follow Jesus, we belong to that same kingdom as well. We are empowered by that same spirit. We get that to have that spirit work in us and that spirit work through us for God's glory and for our neighbor's good. And so let's be present and participate. Participate by finding the people of peace. Participate by proclaiming the good news that the kingdom is here and that the king is on the move. And that's a beautiful message as we love our community in the name of Jesus. Would you join me? Let's pray this morning. Holy Spirit, we love you. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are empowering us to join you at work. We thank you that your transforming love is moving all around us. And we thank you that we get to participate in that love. And so Jesus, as we come before you with these three questions, as we end our time in worship, would you show us who you are, fill us with your heart, and lead us in that love to those around us. Jesus, we love you. Would you guide our time of reflection this morning? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you worship?